from Transport Topics in Washington, D.C. This is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to examine the current state of development for autonomous trucks. We've seen and heard a lot about self-driving trucks over the past several years as tech companies, startups, OEMs, and suppliers have invested in various forms of this technology. But how and where could autonomous trucks fit into the freight transportation industry? And what will it take to make that vision a reality? We'll set out to answer those questions in this episode, which is part one of a Road Signs mini-series on autonomous trucking. But before we dive into today's topic, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to Transport Topics to gain exclusive access to our Top 100 lists, quarterly magazines, and other trucking industry news. To subscribe, visit ttn.ws slash ttsubscribe. You can also text ttsubscribe to 571-622-0001. To learn more about autonomous truck development, we're going to hear from two industry experts who participated in Transport Topics Automate virtual event in December. Later in the program, we'll play my interview with Jan Becker, CEO of autonomous driving software firm Apex AI. But let's start with my conversation with Vivian Sun, Chief Commercial Officer at self-driving truck startup Wabi. Let's play that interview now. Thanks for joining us, Vivian. Thank you for having me. So for our iTech magazine uh, just recently, I compiled a list of more than a dozen startups and tech companies that are actively working today to develop various forms of automated driving technology for commercial trucks. So it's a pretty crowded field uh, at this point, and uh, the majority of those companies I found were founded uh, four to seven years ago. Uh, so still a pretty young emerging space, but uh, you know the majority of the companies have been out uh, in the field for a while now. Uh, Wabi, though, is a younger company founded in 2021. Uh, so again, considering that this is a somewhat crowded field, tell us how Wabi is taking a different approach than some of the other developers that have had a head start. Thank you for the question. And then I read your piece. It was super well done. Um, so yeah, as you said, this is a space that actually grabbed a lot of attention um, and people start to realize that automation will start with trucking and starting with trucking at large. So the industry definitely have made tremendous progress. And that fact, you know, of self-driving trucking, utilizing the technology is one testament of that. And I personally have been in the space for this is my sixth or seventh year in this space. I personally have witnessed a lot of the growth that we have experienced together as an industry. When I first joined industry, the question was if uh, if this is real, if it's ready, if this is something for us. Now the question is um, where, when, how many? So the people are definitely shifting a lot of their perspective from you know the old days to how do we utilize the technology to better assist my uh, business. But one thing we have noticed, uh, and then you have a question about why we joining in 2021 is, you know, with all the progress we've seen in the market, we still don't have a product on the market, right? We are still in testing phase, pilot, if you may, a lot of things going on, but we don't have a scalable market, uh, scalable product to the market today. So that's why this is actually a perfect opportunity for Wabi to join, to offer a next generation, AB 2.0, if you may, to solve the problem at scale with a much, much lower cost, right? So this actually is a perfect timing since the market is much more educated as we talk about, but also craving for a new solution that is much more open, collaborative, right? People now really crave a solution, not only from a technology perspective, but also from a 
a partnership perspective, can we be open, transparent about the technology so we can bring customer along with the journey? And then we have talked about in many occasions that Wabi is AI first and simulation first. So these are the things and attributes to our technology that are completely new and different from the last cohort, if you may. So we're super excited and we believe this is actually perfect timing to give the market even more excitement to showcase the strength of our technology and the benefit of self-driving at large. Well, you know, I think back to, you know, say, 2015, 2016, and, you know, I do remember when this was a, you know, a very uh, futuristic idea, you know, it didn't seem like uh, something that was right around the corner. And, uh, you know, it's, it's proven to be a, a challenge to develop this technology. And, and I'd argue that perhaps some analysts and, and the outside observers maybe uh, underestimated the, the technical challenge because it is a, a great technical challenge. Uh, but that being said, you know, to your point, much more real, much more uh, tangible today with the development work that's taken place. And, uh, you know, many trucking companies, of course, are involved in, in pilots and testing and are, are I think, more interested in, in this than they were several years ago. Uh, I want to pick up on, you know, one of the points you made about, uh, you know, Wabi, to, you know, really describing its development process as an AI first approach. Uh, and, and, you know, I know there's a focus on developing a virtual driver that can generalize and apply what it's learned to situations and scenarios it hasn't seen before, you know, kind of getting to the, the you know, quintessential challenge of edge cases and in, in self-driving where, you know, there's all these rare events that can happen out on the road uh, that perhaps you'll never be able to predict everything that can happen. Uh, so you have to be able to, to find a way to respond to that. But, you know, Vivian, could you just tell us a little bit more about you know, this AI first approach to autonomous uh, driving and what does it mean in a, in a practical sense as you get this technology ready? Yeah, great question. And we definitely proud ourselves as an AI first and AI company um, that really is originated from our founder and CEO, Raquel. She has over 20 years of experience uh, in AI field, self-driving, and really has been pushing the envelope for many years as a uh, successful uh, entrepreneur, successful scientist, and uh, academia um, you know, professor as well. So I think this really originated from her decades of experience and her team uh, pushing the technology, right? Uh, at, you know, really helping the industry moving forward. What it means to be AI first is really leveraging deep learning, probabilistic inference, and complex optimization. I know that's very a mouthful, but I'm sure Raquel has a lot of deep um, you know, technology behind it. What that results to us is an end-to-end trainable system that is interpretable and capable of very complex reasoning. And you have covered our uh, Wabi driver launch just a couple of weeks ago, which is our core product. Wabi driver really benefited from the AI-first approach that brings into the technology a lot of uh, powerful attributes, if you may. So first of all, I think we talk about the end-to-end trainable uh, solution which really means that it can be automatically learning from data and speeding up a development and enable it to handle complex decision-making, right? Uh, so that's first uh, of the attributes. Secondly, it's interpretable. When people hear about AI first, the first question they pop into their head is, oh, is it a black box? Actually, this is not a black box. It's contrary to that. We have combined the two best of the best, right, from the old generation, which is interpretable, and then the AI, which is much more automation, right? So putting the two together, our system actually interpretable, we are able to track every single decision it makes so that the regulators, for example, our customer is able to validate and also helps out with the whole VME process. 
And then we talk about the scalability, right? So our system definitely boasts around its uh, superior generalization capabilities. We're able to capture a lot of the decision-making, capture a lot of the processes in our uh, autonomous system, autonomous stack, if you may, that even before the system hit the road, we're able to handle very different geographic locations, different use cases. And that is really the bottom line of how to self-driving, the long tail of self-driving, if you may. And lastly, I think um, the self-driving system we are building, the Wabi driver, is very flexible. Uh, one of the pain points I think you have may heard in the industry is the how to keep up the hardware and software together, right? You know, you develop this hardware, uh, probably a, a year-long time of developing it, designing it, putting the truck. Now it becomes outdated when you have a software that is even newer generation. So the AI first approach or the YB driver system actually is very flexible in that perspective. We're able to combine our self-driving development from software perspective and hardware together very, very uh, nicely and very uh, organically. So our system can be adaptable to multiple sensor configuration. We're also able to in include and incorporate new sensors or new technologies from a hardware perspective coming out of the line. So we're able to always innovating, always pushing the envelope as we talk about. So that would be a really key differentiator. And also that's why the industry was super excited about Wabi driver launch. And we're also just trucking along and hoping to and working really hard to make sure that the Wabi driver um, benefit is realized with our partners. And, you know, another uh, aspect of, um, you know, Wabi's technology development that I find quite fascinating is the focus on simulation. Uh, so Wabi has built a simulator uh, called uh, Wabi World to test and train the autonomous driving system, um, you know, how to handle various situations the vehicle might encounter out on the road. You can test and see how it's working. So a lot of the testing is happening in simulation rather than, at, you know, out on the road, um, you know, physically. There's you know, clearly there'll be, you know, some of that too. Um, but, you know, a lot of that's being done more on the, on the front end, on the simulation side. So uh, could you just provide us more detail on how you're using simulation to test and develop your virtual driver? Absolutely. We're very proud of our simulator, the Wabi World. And I love the name. Uh, it's actually pretty <laughs> clever, don't you think? It's, Sounds like uh, a theme park, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have the real world, you have the Wabi World. And we're able to prove, actually, the Wabi World is very similar and if not the same as the real world. So I think we could talk about the pain point of industry today is uh, this large amount of capital Right, you need it, and thousands of people in the organization, and millions and millions of miles on the road. You need to test and validate your system, which have proven out to be a pretty cumbersome process, and sometimes even unsafe. So I think the Wabi world really leveraging the benefit of a very, very powerful industry most event simulator to be able to really address these pain points. Right, we're able to create the real world through a very realistic digital twin process and really at the cost of fracture of the cost you're running uh, the vehicle on the road. Um, also, the other benefit you mentioned, the corner cases, right? Uh, your system, as it gets better, it's even harder and harder to find these corner cases. Sometimes you may take millions of vehicles, sorry, hundreds of vehicles on the road for millions of miles and you know many, many, many years to do that. So the Wabi world definitely split that process by able to do the parallel processings and simulation of different scenarios, different geographic locations, different weathers, for example, in simulation. And that results into a much more cost-efficient uh, process, much more safer, and to be honest, much more rapid development to release the, our system to the road. So we're really proud of it. 
however, you also mentioned real-world driving. I want to mention that we're not just limited to our simulator, our Wabi World. As long as, as you know, powerful as it is, we also have the real-world component. So how do we use the real world combined with our simulator is that we will do a big bulk of our development testing, if you may, in our simulator. And when we release the system to the road, it's much more complicated and that's much more uh, safe to be released. So the real road driving to us is more and more uh, validation verification if people are familiar with the automotive processes. So really that's the final step when you have a product that's more mature and ready for, I would say, last bit of tweaks. Uh, and changes. And that's exactly how we use the real world driving. And as you know, that's going to be benefiting to all of us in terms of being much safer and be much more cost efficient. So overall, if you think about a pyramid, traditionally, you're doing a lot of the uh, real world driving, right, a little bit of course testing, a little bit of simulation, we're doing flipping that pyramid, right, we're doing a lot of simulation, we're doing uh, very significant close course testing. And then when we release the road, the real world driving is relatively small portion of our process. But with that being said, we're still incorporating all the three elements of a, a normal development process. Yeah, well, thank you for that overview. And uh, uh, like I said, it is a, an interesting, unique approach uh, to, to developing the, the technology. And you know, I also want to take a little bit of time to talk about deployment models uh, and business cases for autonomous trucks, because Different companies are, are pursuing different use cases. They're applying the technology in different ways. Uh, in Wabi's case, you're focused on you know, fully autonomous, unmanned operation uh, in hub-to-hub -hub routes, you know, mainly a, a highway driving, but on these hub-to-hub -hub routes. Uh, why do you see that as the right starting point for autonomous trucking? Yeah, definitely. Um, first of all, I just want to say I'm super proud of the progress we made in industry. And trucking really is, you know, in general, a first area where automation will be commercialized. Um, and the reason we choose the hub to hub uh, business model or use case, if you may, is really because of that's where we have the best fit between technology, um, commercialization, as well as the customer need, right? So we can talk about the three buckets separately. From a technology perspective, the hub to hub miles or hub to hub business model really capture the long stretch of the highway. Right. These routes are more repetitive. So the highway from, let's say, Arizona, Texas or California is not so different than Florida or New York City, even though there are differences, obviously, that we are going to address. And our first approach is going to enable us to be better at the generalization. But you can argue that it's very relatively uh, constrained environment versus driving in, uh, let's say, a condensed urban center. Right. Um, so that actually limits the different um, different technology challenges we, we need to solve to make that happen. So from a technology perspective, that's definitely a great use case. From a, a commercial perspective, um, trucking is the 800 billion market, and this is really one area where technology can benefit the most. So we believe this is also the hub to hub uh, really capture a lot of different use cases as well, right? So you have the over the road, you have the LTLs, you have the private fleet. So these are the areas we believe our customer are really arguing they want to have this technology. Number three, as we talk about the the value, right? Where we we why do we need to uh, commercialize in the hub to hub um, business model? Um, so we believe that this is one area where. Um, the driver shortage is the most severe, right? The over the road trucking is very challenging for a lot of the driver to be on the road for months at a time. So this is also where the area, the drivers are much needed 
um, and they're where the fleet owners are have the, having the most challenge to find these drivers. So there are a lot of unrealized revenue, and this is actually the area where the pain points are most severe. So combining that three points, we believe the hub to hub will be really perfect use case for Wabi to tackle first and then to encourage adoption and to demonstrate the technology benefit and to prove out the uniqueness of self-driving. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a transport topic special report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws forward slash electrification. I did want to go back to, you know, one of the topics we started talking about a little bit earlier in the conversation, and that's just sort of how far we've, we've come over the last, say, seven years or so. Uh, no, Vivian, of course, you were a, um, a vice president at Too Simple before you joined Wabi. You know, Too Simple, of course, is one of the earlier startups that uh, has since gone public and, you know, one of those dozen plus companies that's, this, you know, in this space today. Um, but when you think back to, you know, again, say 2016 or so um, and all the you know, demonstrations and investment, you know, testing, uh, fleet pilots we've seen, uh, autonomous trucking seems more real than ever. You know, and again, we, we haven't reached commercial deployment, you know, at any scale. Um, so I guess, you know, from your perspective, having been working on this challenge for, uh, you know, a number of years now, you know, how much has the conversation changed in the industry uh, and, and how much closer are we to the sort of that end goal and uh, reaching that vision of autonomous trucking and certain elements of the trucking industry? Yeah, I, uh, I think you yourself also have witnessed the growth of the industry along with me and many other people who are passionate about the industry. Uh, and I, I would say the change is tremendous. The change is uh, something that we're able to witness in a short amount of time. You know, don't get me wrong. This is a very long time in self-driving, but in the normal right, years of any involvement, this is really rapid. So as I talk about um, when I first joined the industry, the, the conversation was about if, and now is about you know, when and how many, and I'm not joking about it. And I have, in my career, I have met and worked with closely with so many business leaders, um, you know, CEOs, executives, um, you know, maintenance staff, right? So every single element of a trucking operation, people are extremely curious and extremely passionate about the benefit and what, what could, could change industry for the better. So for example, right, when we first joined the industry, people are more focusing on oh, the self-driving technology and what does it mean for a lot of us? Now, I think you've seen a lot of um, different uh, partnership in terms of integration, right? So people kind of assume it's going to happen. And we're talking about how do we integrate? What does it mean for our infrastructure? What does it mean for our insurance providers? What does it mean for our service staff, right? So a lot of the things need to happen in order to make a technology successful. So I think people are now in the mode of uh, problem solving, 
as a collective industry. And I'm super, super excited to see more of that as well. Right. So that is really a testament to seeing the shift. Now people are more concerned about, oh, my God, if the technology comes, you know, in certain amount of time, am I ready? Am I ready? Am I from an executive level to the manager level to the staff on the floor in, let's say, Dallas, um, San Antonio, or many different cities, how do I make sure my organization is ready for this change, what I call change management? So that's really why Wabi, I think, is believes in the openness and transparency and also bring customers to the journey, right? Because I think we all can recognize the industry does make a really great um, uh, you know, progress in the last couple of years, but we have been, we can do better in terms of bringing people along for the journey and open up under the hood and see how do I help people? How do I uh, let other people to help us? So that's something myself and the Wabi team is very, very passionate about is we want to be able to extremely be open, transparent and say, okay, fleet owners, executives, maintenance staff, can you help us to understand what does it mean to be running autonomous fleet? And then together we can design something that can help you to be ready for the future. So that's something I think the industry will be also continuously focusing on in the next two to three years to be ready for that change as industry and as organization. Sure. Um, also, when you look out on the maybe the near term horizon, uh, you know, there are, you know, uh, some challenges, I think, with um, overall business conditions, uh, not just for, uh, you know, self-driving technology, but really for you know, the economy as a whole. You know, most uh, analysts are predicting at least a mild recession next year. And then specifically in the autonomous vehicle space, there is some pessimism out there. And I think that, uh, you know, we've seen, you know, longer than expected timelines from some companies, uh, you know, a lot of that, you know, in the passenger car space. Um, you know, focused on getting to commercialization. And, you know, as we mentioned earlier, it's not, not such an easy thing to do, right? It takes, it takes time to, to prepare technology like this. Um, you know, Argo AI shutting down is another example, but uh, how can autonomous vehicle developers like Wabi maybe change perceptions um, and, and move closer to commercialization despite some of those uh, potential headwinds I, I just listed? Yeah, definitely. There is certainly a uh, headwind and winter, if you may, um, that's going around in the market. And I'm not going to lie, they're, they're, the industry is encountering a fair share of challenges and, uh, and you know, certain challenges, right, in different areas. And we believe that a lot of the challenges or uh, people's pessimistic view about the industry kind of is originated from the uh, AV 1.0, if you may, that we talk about the industry challenges as a whole, right, is very much capital intensive, and we haven't been able to be more generalized and much quicker in our development. So from a Wabi perspective, I think there are still a lot of excitement from self-driving, particularly for the 2.0, if you may, the uh, the newer, income, newer companies who are bringing the uh, next generation technology. People want to see what does it mean, right? People want to see, can it be a changing factor? And we believe it is. Um, so that's why we're going to, we launched Wabi Driver, a couple of weeks ago, we're also spurred out a lot of uh, new discussions. Oh, there are new generation, new technology coming. So maybe this is something that we can really utilize and, you know, be uh, much more quicker with our depo- deployment and much more different than the last cohort. The other thing from a Wabi perspective is from a fund- fundraising perspective, we usually raise a big round so we can last for a longer period of time. We have a bigger runway. And, you know, in the last, you know, 
uh, phase of the uh, industry, people didn't have the luxury, right? You have to fundraise kind of every year and you have to do incremental changes to your technology, doing demos. So it kind of had to be that way. So we kind of is we're in a better position so we can focus, have a longer time horizon. We can design and define our product, let's say two to three years from now and going backwards, right? To really uh, step by step, really realizing the milestone to get there. So I think that's also a new different approach and people really appreciate that. Uh, and at the end of the day is about the, uh, the, the investment you put into it and then the benefit you can uh, come out of it. So we're still very bullish and as you can see, the users of technology are still very bullish. The OEMs are still bullish. The the industry who are, um, you know, part of the ecosystem are still bullish. So I think at the end of the day, we can ride through this uh, period of time and coming out of it, become much more stronger and become giving the industry much more confidence. So that's something I'm personally also very passionate about is how do we keep talking about and bring new perspective of the benefit of the technology. So together we can, elevate industry to make sure that we're still kind of moving forward together. Oh, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, one other topic I wanted to bring up, you know, whenever you know, we have a conversation about fully autonomous trucks, I always do like to take some time to discuss what the technology will mean and won't mean for uh, professional truck drivers. Um, you know, of course, that's a question that's you know, been out there and, and uh, you know, I think a lot of hype and, you know, maybe even some, some mis misinformation out there about, you know, what the reality is. Uh, you know, personally, I think it's helpful to think of, you know, autonomous trucks as a new mode of transportation. You know, and, and I've heard you say that before as well. Um, you know, that can uh, ultimately complement drivers rather than, you know, just eliminate their jobs, right? Um, you know, in fact, I mean, I mentioned this earlier, but if you automate some long haul routes, you could actually improve driving jobs for the next generation uh, and, and kind of craft jobs that are better suited to the, the preferences of the, you know, the next generation of the workforce. Uh, but, you know, that's my perspective, you know, tell us how you envision automation and professional drivers uh, working together in the future and uh, how might this uh, actually help the trucking industry create jobs that are more appealing uh, to future truck drivers? Yes, thank you. I, I, I love this question and I love um, interacting and, uh, you know, having a good time with our uh, drivers in general. Uh, I was just at the Women in Trucking uh, event a couple of weeks ago in Dallas and seen so many passionate and just lovely people uh, all over the board. So this is one topic that I think a lot of us have, um, you know, contributing to this conversation. And I completely agree with you, right? That's why we want to automate the hub top miles where, you know, really you're out there as a driver months at a time or you're far from far away from your home, right? So the home time is really important as a whole in the industry. So exactly like you said, right? If the um, automation, autonomous truck can be the middle mile or can take on these tedious and long stretch of highway. Um, and then the human drivers can really be um, re-kind of assigned to first mile, last mile, or the pickup delivery, right? Local pickup delivery that definitely contributed to better lifestyle overall, that where they can go back home every day and together as a cohesive, you know, organization or cohesive ecosystem, we can, you know, be better for a better supply chain, better, uh, you know, lifestyle for the drivers and overall more efficient. And we believe that this is complementary to the drivers. And I, we talk about the rollout of soft driving is going to be gradual, right? At different regions, at different pace. So throughout that process, we can build a very collaborative approach to the driver community on how do we work together as a whole. 
and I, one thing, as you know, I'm also talk about here is we want to also invite our drivers or the driver community as a whole to help us develop a better product. So we don't want to build a autonomous truck or a autonomous driver, you know, in the dark where there is so much wealth from the driver community that they can share with us. So that's one thing we believe we should do better as a whole is to incorporate them into the processes, build a, a relationship that's collaborative, right? Instead of, uh, you know, contradictory to each other. It is also something we need as industry, as a self-driving company to learn from the best, the best of the best driver out there. They can teach us to make a better and safer system. So yeah, we believe that if a driver wants to enter a workforce today as a as a truck driver, they can retire as one because it's going to be hybrid mode for many many years. And together, this is all for the better logistics system, and they can also enjoy the benefit of self driving as a driver force as well. And that's very helpful, and I appreciate that conversation um, because you know even to this day, I think there's been a lot of, you know of um, you know knowledge gained and. Uh, you know, more nuance around the conversation, but it's still a question that comes up a lot. And uh, I think it's important that we always uh, discuss that. Um, but uh, before I let you go, Vivian, you know, I just wanted to you know, take a moment to ask you, you know, what's next for Wabi as you move toward com commercialization in the future? You know, what uh, technical and, and business obstacles do you still need to overcome, you know, as you uh, move forward? And uh, and when will you know when the technology is ready for commercial deployment uh, with truck manufacturers and fleet customers? Yeah, great question. That's a great way to uh, summarize that conversation. I think in the uh, Wabi driver launch, we mentioned we believe in pre-market, sorry, pre-factory installation, right? We want to work with OEMs to integrate our Wabi driver, our Wabi driver system at the factory level. We believe that's the only way you can do this roll out safely, reliably at, uh, at scale. So that's something we're super passionate about, right? It's something that we are working very collaboratively with the industry. That's also one of the biggest milestones, I would say, for us and for our OEM partners is to be able to uh, finish that integration, complete all the tests necessary to make sure that we release a safety product to the road. The other thing very important for Wabi is to be able to continuously proven out our technology now we have announced Wabi Driver. Really, we want to be able to showcase continuously the benefit and the differentiator of, of Wabi Driver. You know, we talk about a lot of the uh, the generalization capabilities, cost efficiency, right, the scalability. These are the things we need to come back come back to the industry with proof and in continuously uh, elevate industry and inject more uh, confidence as we talked before. So overall, right, collaboration with the industry, proving out the technology, and then integrating with the OEMs. So that's going to be a theme across the next few years. And we're very excited to show the, the world what we have uh, planned for the future. All right. Well, it'll be fun to watch. Um, thank you very much for taking the time for this conversation, Vivian. You know, I always enjoy uh, um, you know, hearing your insights and, uh, and having the conversations. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much, Seth. That's been great. And thank you for all the thoughtful questions. Are you the type of listener that wants to hear the rest of the story? Good news! You can find out more about Roadsign's guests and topics in the episode description. Whatever podcast app you may be using, the description can be found if you scroll past the audio recording or available right when you click in. If you're still having trouble, visit the episode pages at roadsigns.ttnews.com. Or if you need help, you can email us at share at ttnews.com.
Welcome back to Road Signs. Next up, we're going to play my interview with autonomous vehicle pioneer Jan Becker. Jan is currently CEO and co-founder of Apex AI, which provides software development kits for driver assist and autonomous driving systems. So thank you for joining the program, Jan. I'm very, really uh, eager to get into this. Thanks, Seth. Thanks for having me. So during the past several years, we've seen a lot of progress in the development and testing of autonomous driving technology, specifically for the trucking industry. But it's clear that it's, it's not a simple task to move past that R&D stage and reach uh, full commercial production in, sig- in real significant volumes. So from your perspective, what will it take for autonomous driving system developers to kind of cross that hurdle and bring their technology to market? Mm-hmm. So the the final development of uh, any technology, but specifically pertaining to driver assistance and autonomous driving, is always the hard part. It's this eighty twenty rule, where in the in the first twenty percent of the time you make eighty percent of the progress, and at the end the curve, the S curve becomes very flat, and it takes a lot of additional time to simply robustify technology, to harden technology, to make sure all the the different corner cases are addressed, and that's exactly the phase we are currently in. We, as a as a development community, with respect to yeah, making autonomous driving uh, robust and reliable. Yeah, so that uh, you know, I, I think that um, you know, one example of that would be you know, edge cases. You know, we hear so much about uh, planning for you know the unexpected events and the the very rare. Uh, uh, scenarios you might encounter out on the road, uh, that's usually, you know, identified as one of the key technical barriers for deploying this technology on public roads. Uh, just, is, you know, kind of speaking to your 80, you know, 20 rule, uh, does that, do you feel like, uh, you know, those edge cases are a big part of that when it comes to autonomous driving? Of course, and ultimately, we need to design um, our system such that, uh, w- w- with keeping in mind that we will never be able to fully in advance, be able to identify all edge cases and all corner cases, but we then need to design the systems such that they always default into a safe state. Uh, they can also deal with uh, with internal errors. There will always be uh, parts of the system, like a sensor that may fail or external uh, events may happen from you know a rock hitting the windscreen to a flat tire to a sensor malfunctioning. Uh, And again, the the key is then to design a system such that the overall system uh, maintains and retains some kind of operational level despite parts of the system uh, seeing a failure or or having some, some kind of other outage. So it overall pertains to designing a safe and reliable overall system and dealing with with individual errors for sure and i think that uh you know generally speaking maybe if you rewind the clock five six seven years uh perhaps some of the observers maybe underestimated the technical challenge uh, of autonomous driving uh this is not easy you know this is very difficult and uh, that's played out i think uh in the real world with the testing and development uh that uh, continues to this day um, so I want to talk a little bit more about uh, your company, Apex AI. So you're providing software development kits for ADAS and autonomous driving uh, technology with this focus on enabling software-defined vehicles. So just tell us what that means and why is that important for AV development? Sure. Uh, ADV, AV developers are typically expert in their specific domains. So in the trucking case, they, they know how to 
how to address long-haul trucking or last-mile delivery or robo-shuttles or, or robo-taxis or ADAS development. So they are very much focused on their specific domain and their specific use case. We develop base software for software-defined vehicles that uh, co essentially consist of a set of libraries that are robust, reliable, and safety certified that take care of all the underlying base software needs. So that ranges from reading in data from sensors to uh, starting processes, um, transporting data between the sensors and the processor, between processors on one SOC, between SOCs, between ECUs, and doing over-the-air update, doing, doing uh, firmware updates. Uh, so all the base software needs that all software-defined uh, vehicles, all software-defined mobility systems ultimately need, and such that it's... Um, it's hardware agnostic, it's vehicle agnostic, it's chipset agnostic. So we're really taking the the software challenges out of the equation for the for the integrators, for the uh, autonomous trucking companies, for the autonomous delivery companies, for the robot taxi companies, and so on and so on. Uh, certainly, and you know, I know the the, the core uh, topic of this conversation is, of course, fully autonomous trucks, but. I also want to take a little bit of time to talk about um, advanced driver assist systems or ADAS. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you know when you look at the scope of how this how automation can uh, you know enter and, and expand in the trucking industry. You know, autonomous trucks are going to be designed for specific use cases, at least initially, like hub to hub routes on specific lanes, uh, maybe uh, private site operations, uh, terminals, uh, industrial sites. Uh, but ADAS technology, this is that's technology that can potentially improve safety for just about any truck on the road because it's assisting the driver, uh, not replacing the driver. Uh, so just looking ahead and kind of projecting, you know, technology development in the years ahead, you know, do you see parallel markets emerging for ADAS and, you know, what we call level four autonomy with, you know, full autonomy, but designed for a specific domain? Uh, and, and where do you see both ADAS and full autonomy being deployed in the trucking industry? Mm -hmm. So from a technology perspective, there are obviously commonalities. So both ADAS and level four autonomy use at least partially similar or identical sensors, such as radar sensors, such as cameras and so on. But from a, a business perspective, they actually do address different markets. So ADAS, obviously, as, as you also pointed it out, um, still uh, needs and relies on the driver and then provides additional safety features or convenience features to that driver. So uh, either making it more convenient, for instance, in the case of an adaptive cruise control system uh, to just drive long haul, long haul uh, trucks over expanded periods of time, safety features such as forward collision warning or automatic emergency braking then assist the drivers in, in dangerous situations, whereas level four autonomy takes completely the load away from the driver, either for periods of the drive or the complete drive. Uh, so for instance, I can, I can easily imagine a human driver and an autonomous driving system complementing each other for long haul trucking, where uh, the autonomous system completely drives the truck uh, on the freeway uh, at night, whereas and the driver takes care of 
driving it onto the freeway uh, back into the the dock, for instance. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think it's uh, interesting to to consider all the different ways that the technology can play out because uh, there are so many opportunities to build on uh, today's uh, driver assist capabilities, uh, collision mitigation, adaptive cruise control, and, and expand it from there uh, with steering assistance and, and more and more uh, capable uh, assistance uh, while still relying on the driver in that case. Uh, you know, I, I, of course, I mentioned, you know, level four earlier. So, you know, we're already getting into these, uh, you know, levels of autonomy that uh, I think there's been kind of this widespread, you know, education in the trucking industry as, as some of these technologies have been in development and in some cases with ADAS uh, uh, commercially available. Uh, you know, what are these levels and, and what do they mean? You know, just sort of a way to understand the not just a scale, but the different levels of capabilities uh, that some of these technologies bring. And uh, so it happens, Jan, you were one of the original authors um, of these uh, SAE levels of automated driving, um, you know, that uh, we, we talk about. So I thought it'd be fun to ask, um, you know, for, you know, for you to, to look back, you know, over the years uh, that have passed, uh, you know, how has the AV industry evolved, uh, you know, compared to what you envisioned at the time, uh, you know, putting together these, these levels of automation to kind of, you know, put a framework together to understand uh, capabilities uh, and then, you know, look at what we've seen so far in terms of development. Uh, has it played out, you know, at all similar to what you had envisioned or has anything surprised you? Mm -hmm. So that was, that actually started, I'm glad you asked, that actually started almost 10 years ago in 2012. Uh, and then I think it was uh, over the course of almost two years that we iterated in a working group on uh, developing the first set of uh, taxonomy for autonomous driving levels, which then launched as an SAE report in 2014. And I think there have been three or four iterations since. Uh, so back then, um, there was a lot of hype around uh, level four and robot taxis and a lot of companies and experts and analysts predicted uh, literally millions of robot taxis driving around within five years, which would have been two, three years ago. And clearly, if I look outside my window here in the middle of Silicon Valley, I don't see a million, a million robot taxis yet, even though uh, we've actually made quite some progress in, in the, just in the last couple of years. And uh, I think just, just a month ago, Cruz announced that they've significantly increased their operational range um, in, um, in San Francisco. And um, Waymo has, uh, at around the same time, expanded their area of operations also in San Francisco, uh, which shows that they are, as we talked about earlier, that they are now able to address a lot of the corner cases they weren't able to uh, um, more recently. At the same time, we see, though, that um, there has been quite a selection in the field. So a lot of the companies that were able to get funding years ago are not getting funding anymore, which to me is simply a sense of um, um, the, the industry becoming more mature, it, the field narrowing down to just a couple of players, which is actually a natural selection process um, where both investors and analysts are are more confident that they can actually nail it and and solve the overall ch challenge. Transport topics in one word: authoritative, knowledge, outstanding, reliable, 
we ask Transport Topics readers to describe us in one word. Informative. Informative. Integrity. The Bible. Authoritative. The authority. Transportation information, that's two, but I, I, I gotta have it both. Physically large. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's two words. Visit influence.ttnews.com forward slash say hello to find out what they're talking about. Oh, you, you mentioned, you know, robo taxis and uh, of course, uh, you know, to your point, the, that is a reality in some very specific cases now. Um, you know, it's not everywhere, but, uh, and it took a little bit longer than perhaps analysts uh, would have imagined uh, years ago, but uh, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, the, that vision comes true. It just takes longer than originally anticipated. Uh, but along the way, uh, over the past several years, I think it's fair to say that we've seen some of the energy and investment in autonomous vehicle development shift from the passenger car space over to uh, commercial applications, especially trucking. Uh, so what's your, your perspective on the, the viability of autonomous cars versus heavy trucks? And uh, you know, where do you see autonomous vehicles having a real impact on a, a large scale uh, the soonest? Mm-hmm. So overall, what we are what we are seeing is that what I and experts have been, experts have been saying for years that the development of a full self driving stack uh, is just a huge, huge, huge endeavor, and the companies that are trying to address the full stack from building their own sensors to building their own ECUs, some of them now are developing their own their own chips for machine learning based systems up to the full application. That's just a huge task, which takes billions of dollars of, of investment. Um, having that said, uh, the companies that are willing to partner and willing to, um, to take outside solutions to take to, to uh, reduce their own internal development effort are actually now the ones, except for like very early adopters like Tesla, who were simply first to market, but the companies that are now willing to partner are the ones that are more likely to succeed. Then in terms of, um, uh, so that's the technology aspect. Then in terms of the business aspect, um, there's a, a huge win, in my opinion, for for autonomous trucking and a, a huge chance to win, opposed to robotaxis, because there you have a real business case. There are still... Uh, tens of thousands of truck drivers missing in the U.S. I think the latest number I've heard was 80,000, expecting to reach uh, 160,000, so doubling in the next uh, seven, eight years. Um, so that's a huge business opportunity. So it's addressing a real need. Whereas um, on the on the robotaxi side, uh, you're you're still competing with the human driver. So anybody, almost everybody, can be anybody can be a taxi driver. Whereas um, you need to be a professional to be a truck driver. And that's where um, professional truck drivers are actually missing. So there you can address a real business case, making it uh, then obviously much, 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 much easier for the trucking industry to um, to um, accept the technology and to incorporate the technology into products being trucks. Yeah, and there are still uh, quite a few players in the uh, development space uh, in trucking. Uh, in fact, I uh, recently put together a, you know, an article for our uh, quarterly iTech magazine, you know, that just is a, basically a survey of all the developers and the startups and, and the technology companies that are actively working to develop autonomous driving 
uh, technology in one form or another for the trucking industry. And uh, as more than a dozen companies uh, with uh, some brief, you know, kind of snapshot profiles. So that's a pretty, still a pretty crowded field. Um, and when you, when you look at, uh, you know, the space that's, you know, really uh, pursuing this opportunity in the trucking industry, uh, of course, you know, when you look at uh, market conditions today, uh, at least, uh, you know, maybe a, a macroeconomic view, there's some pessimism right now. I mean, we've all been uh, seeing, you know, high inflation and, uh, you know, across the board. And uh, you know, most economists are predicting at least a mild recession next year. Uh, that, of course, can create challenges for technology companies, for startups. Um, you know, Argo AI shutting down is an example that I hear coming up uh, a lot. But uh, from your perspective, how can AV developers, you know, weather the, so- the, the storm, so to speak, and uh, especially in a field like this where it is very expensive and you can't afford to cut corners because safety is, is always has to be the top priority. Yeah, um, I think the key, and I mentioned that before, the key is partnering. So um, ap- companies focusing on building an application should focus on their on their key USP, on their key on, on their key sell- selling point, on their key expertise, which is providing. Um, their specific solution and we now see that we also see that in the passenger car industry that uh, just a couple of years ago um, almost all companies tried to build everything in-house and now we see an every year an increase an, an ever increasing openness uh, to partner and to ad- uh, adopt and incorporate outside solutions if it helps to s- reduce cost and if it helps to shorten time to market and that's clearly also the key for autonomous driving and autonomous tracking companies. Uh, they should focus on uh, what is key to their application and then um, adopt uh, and incorporate solutions that are not key to their own offering. Yeah. And we certainly have seen a lot of those uh, partnerships uh, develop uh, with you know, truck manufacturers, for example, and, and other uh, companies and uh, you know, potential future customers in the trucking industry all kind of working together with developers uh, in, a, in a collaborative way to, to try to bring the technology uh, to market and, and uh, address some of the, the lingering challenges to, uh, to commercialize it. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's also, uh, I think, an interesting, it's been interesting to see more suppliers enter the, the AV space. You see that you know, in sensor and software suppliers, uh, it's not just, you know, these startup companies who are out there on their own. There's many other uh, suppliers and, and specific experts that are working with these developers. Um, companies like Apex AI are an example of that, uh, that are supporting developers as they work to commercialize, you know, both ADAS and autonomous driving. Uh, so maybe just tell us a little bit more about how you see that, uh, you know, ecosystem, you know, this, this broader ecosystem of suppliers supporting this, uh, uh, this, this emerging business you know, is that a, a sign of maturation for the, the AV industry? Exactly. So um, it's it's actually quite typical for technology development that in, in a hype cycle that uh, in the beginning of a hype cycle, almost all players try to address everything. And then uh, players notice that uh, development uh, takes a long time, is very expensive, and not everybody can solve the whole problem. So then an ecosystem develops over time partnerships develop and and standards develop, which are ultimately enable partnerships, because only through standardization of interfaces, of architectures, 
um, partnerships can actually be built upon. And then, uh, you know, finally, we're, I know we're going to run up against time here before too long, but uh, I think it's always important whenever we discuss uh, automation, you know, autonomous driving, autonomous vehicles, uh, I think it's always important to uh, discuss what that means uh, in the trucking industry for professional drivers, you know, in the years and decades ahead. Uh, so I'll ask you that question, Jan. Um, you know, how do you envision autonomous trucks and human labor working together in the future? I mean, do you see an opportunity for automation, you know, not just to, you know, ease the, the problems with driver recruiting and turnover rates for trucking companies, but maybe also to improve uh, jobs for truck drivers? You know, how do you see that playing out? in the future oh totally i i do do see that the human truck driver and the automated system work uh, side by side so for instance a truck driver driving the truck out of the depot onto the highway uh, then the truck takes over under for instance in the beginning normal weather conditions truck driver can go and prepare coffee do paperwork uh, get some rest then let's say adverse weather conditions come up, the truck driver is alerted ahead of time, has plenty of time to take over, drives through the storm, uh, nice weather again, a truck driver takes over again. Um, so uh, the truck driver job can be made much more pleasant. Uh, there's a share of the workload, the system becomes safer. Um, uh, along the same lines, uh, more software in the truck can then lead to um, uh, health and uh, advanced health and diagnosis of the truck um, service can be uh, can be timed better. Out uh, outages can be timed better. Um, parts, for instance, in case of a part about to fail, parts can be ordered ahead of time. A proactive maintenance can be done. So there's a lot of improvement both for the drivers and the company that software and and ultimately what we call the software defined vehicle. Um, can add to the industry. Um, lots of opportunity for uh, connected vehicle technology and automated driving technology to to come together uh, in the, in the future, and we're already seeing the, the beginnings of that. Uh, I think in the, both the passenger car and the the commercial vehicle space. You know, I appreciate uh, you know, your insights and uh, you know, your, uh, your your perspective and and uh, you know being right in the middle of this. Uh, emerging industry as it's been uh, basically evolving before our eyes. So thank you for taking the time. And it's great to chat. It's been an exciting 20 years and I'm sure it's going to be an exciting next 20 years. Thanks so much, Seth. I'm sure it will be. Thanks again. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with transport topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original questions. How and where could autonomous trucks fit into the freight transportation industry? And what will it take to make that vision a reality? As we've heard during this episode, autonomous truck developers continue to make progress toward their goal of commercially deploying this technology on large numbers of trucks in the years ahead. Along the way, they're working with truck makers, fleet operators, and other partners to test their self-driving systems and integrate them into the trucking industry. For now, these companies are targeting specific applications that are well-suited to automation, including hub-to-hub operations that mainly involve highway driving on repetitive routes. And looking to the future, those types of deployments could potentially support the trucking industry's efforts to attract professional drivers by shifting more jobs toward regional and local routes with more home time that align better with the lifestyle preferences of the next generation. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Science, please let others know 
rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. Also, let us know how we did by texting TT Survey to 571-622-0001. And of course, Road Signs will be back soon with part two of our mini-series on autonomous trucking. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening.